On this episode of Stories Behind the Grind, listen to my conversation with Josh Blakely, founder of JBL Spending Planners. We discuss how a go-karting accident gave Josh clarity and direction, what young couples and aspiring business owners can do right now to take back control of their finances, and why having multiple mentors can accelerate your growth. Please note that the information contained on this podcast is general in nature and does not take into account your personal situation. You should consider whether the information is appropriate to your needs and where appropriate, seek professional advice from a financial advisor. My name is Aidan Vokolo, and here you will find business strategies, tips, and tactics that you can incorporate not only in your own venture, but your life, to help you simplify and strategically grow, scaling up the impact you're having in this world. Listen as I talk to creators, innovators, and game changers on what it takes to build an impactful business, uncovering their insights, strategies, and tips to help you increase profitability and develop a thriving team culture. Welcome to the Stories Behind the Grind podcast. Oh, Josh, thanks so much for coming on the Stories Behind the Grind podcast. It's great to have you on. Thanks, Aiden. Yeah, very grateful to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Oh, Josh, you empower young couples to take back control of their finances so that they're able to create and move towards a future where they're living with fulfillment and purpose. Where did the interest in money management come from? Yeah, look, um, it stemmed from my own personal journey, really. Starting out, I grew up in a family where money really wasn't talked about in too much detail. And, you know, things were just kind of kept moving in the background. And then when I was 15, my father actually passed away really unexpectedly. And did that whole, that changed the whole family dynamic. I knew he put things in place with the right insurances because even through that, my brother and I were able to be put through private school. And uh, my mum was able to look after us there and and keep the uh, keep the household finances going. But I still got into my late teens, and I I really hadn't learnt too much about personal finance. So it was a process of kind of trying to figure things out on my own. Process of getting into credit card debt, getting a car loan, and things like that. And I reached a point where I was really just spending everything I was earning, and something clicked. There's a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I've heard so many other people have read that and that has kind of started things ticking in their head. But reading that helped me realize, look, I need to be doing something with my money. And so in my 20s, it was just learning about personal finance, which uh, eventually transitioned into starting businesses on the side. And um, one of those businesses now is with the money coaching side and helping other people really just fast track through that process so they don't have to just kind of struggle along not knowing what they're doing. I help set them up with a process and a system and the support to to be empowered to actually control it themselves. Yeah, and I guess you know personal finance isn't really something that's taught a lot at schools either, is it? It's it's something that's sort of, I guess, at least for me anyway, when I was going through it, it was sort of glossed over. Yeah, that's true. And and my my background is as a maths and music teacher and I would be teaching you know 16 17 year olds about some financial maths uh, particularly things like compound interest and the power of that but yeah for a lot of those students it was just so far off in the distance for them too there were always some who were engaged but I'd probably say at least three quarters were usually you know it seemed a bit foreign to them which is scary because it's coming from it's coming from their home coming from their parents as well and if if their parents have never been taught, then that cycle, you know, will just keep repeating. 
Yeah, and I guess it's, it's hard for kids to apply, I guess, the lessons learned at school. You know, it, it's one thing to say, you know, mum and dad spend the money in a sense. But if, if the kid themselves doesn't have income coming in, it's hard for them to see the benefit of it all. And so, you, yeah, definitely. You end yeah. up with, uh, you know, the, these young teenagers and, and young adults with this lack of personal finance knowledge. Mm, that's it. And if they don't have that, as soon as they're starting to earn money and they have more free time or maybe they're moving out of home, you know, once they're 18, they can start getting credit cards and, and things like that too. So they have all these choices to make. And if, if they're lacking in financial literacy, then they can end up in a bit of a mess pretty quickly. For sure. What are some common misunderstandings you see in the personal finance realm? Probably the biggest thing is people just not really being clear on their current situation. You know, that's the first step I take clients through in my initial conversations with people who are interested is like you really need to have a clear understanding, that clarity around what is your current financial situation. And for some people, that's a process of actually getting real. And it might be a bit of a wake-up call. Particularly with couples, there might be one one in the relationship who tends to maybe manage things and the other one just goes along for the ride. The hub. So that process is actually getting them there where, where they're both understanding you know, exactly what, what it is that they're spending, what they need to live on for a minimum, what their income is, and then if they've got debt, how much debt do they have, how long is that going to take to pay off, and um, looking, you know, what strategies can they actually look at to maybe get rid of that quicker. Got a sort of understanding where you are now, where you want to be, you know, in the future, and then steps to get there. Yeah, yeah. I think of it as like Google Maps. So I've just moved to San Diego, California here from, from Australia, and I don't, you know, I don't know where I'm going. I'm slowly starting to get the hang of it, but Google Maps is my best friend when I'm driving around, and I put in my destination, and the first thing Google Maps has to do is actually zero in on my exact location. So um, I like to use that when talking about finances because you can't work out how you're going to get to where you want to go until you have that clear picture of where you are right now. Yeah, I guess it takes some humility in a sense as well to, to accept where you are right now. And I guess it's okay to, yeah, to be wherever you are right now as long as you've got a direction to go forward. That's right, yeah. You can start making the changes you need to. It doesn't matter where you're at. You can, uh, it, once you have that, kind of base baseline position of where you're at, then you can start putting strategies in place to, to work out how best to achieve your goals. Um, what are some strategies, if, if you're happy to divulge, that you would recommend those in a similar situation, you know, being, being say, a, a young couple, what are some ways you'd recommend for them to, to get a hold of or to manage their money more effectively? Yeah, yeah. So once I have a clear picture of where they're at, probably the biggest thing there is their debt. And looking through, you know, what type of interest rate they have for the debt. So if they've got things like payday loans or credit cards that they're not paying off in time, those are going to have those really high interest rates, you know, 15% or more. And having that still hanging around, that's that's really going to kind of cripple them moving forward. So the big thing is to, and I'm not talking about property loans here and things like that, where there may be like 5% interest if, if people own property, it's those anything really above, you know, 8% type of loans to work on how do we get rid of that as quick as possible and then also saving up an emergency buffer and, you know, a, a good place to start is just $1,000. And, you know, it's, it's pretty crazy that there are a lot of people um, who don't have even that $1,000 of 
of a, of a cash buffer in a bank account in case the worst happens. So starting there and building up an emergency fund, you know, start with a thousand dollars and then looking at three months worth of living expenses to save up to. So once they know how much their living expenses are, they can start planning that and, and saving towards it. So once they've got the debt sorted, once they have an emergency fund together, that really sets up a really good foundation for whatever else they want to achieve financially. Yeah, and I guess it, it develops those habits in that process that they can then use to achieve, you know, I guess more complex financial goals as well going forward. You've already got the habits embedded because you've, you know, you've paid down your debt, you've started to accrue a um an emergency fund and you're working towards, you know, that three month buffer, which is, you know, I guess enough time to, you know, if you if you lose your job to to find a new one in a sense. Yeah, definitely. And it's it's a change in mindset too, because and I was guilty of this too. Falling into the trap that you have a credit card and thinking that the credit card is your emergency fund. It's, it's a really powerful feeling to know that you're in control once you break out of that zone of thinking. And I just fell into that because I was 18 and my bank sent me a letter to get a credit card and it was just too easy to do. And a lot of people uh, are in that situation, but as soon as you kind of break away from that reliance on the credit card and it's your own cold hard cash in an account, that is just really empowering. Yeah, it is. It's you know you've got that that control. Then you know it's it's your your destiny in a way, and you know you, you're no longer reliant on um, on anyone else. And you know with the with the stringent payment requirements and the high interest that come with um, credit card loans. Yeah, exactly. For those looking to start their own business, you know, moving from a full time job where you, where you've got a you know regular paycheck coming in. And then, you know, moving from there to, you know, to your own business where the, the cash flow can be quite lumpy, you know, quite sporadic. What's your recommendation to manage that transition? Yeah. Um, I mean, some of the advice I was really given early on in starting my businesses was not to go cold turkey, not to um, ditch the full time job completely and just go all in on the new business. And, uh, yeah, I remember one mentor, he just said, don't do it. Uh, you know, work on building the other business while you're working full time. You know, there's so many, so many hours in the week that you can be taking away from unproductive tasks and, and, and spending on those, those avenues of building your businesses too. So probably my first point there is if, if you don't have to get out of the full time job yet, I would avoid doing that if, if you can. And then the second point is around looking at how your your business income is actually going to be paying your living expenses. And when you're in a salary and you have a really predictable income, um, once things are set up, you can pretty quickly match what your expenses are to your income. When you have that lumpy cash, as you mentioned, that's a bit trickier as well. It comes back to the first step to having clarity on what your living expenses are. And once you know that, you can start to form, you start to put together like what, what's the minimum I need to actually live to survive, you know, to have, <laughs> have a life that's, um, that's somewhat comfortable. And that's everyone's personal preference. And then looking at what your, your business income is and really making sure your finances are separate from business and personal, draw out that money like you would if you're getting paid in a full time salary job, um, a regular transaction going into your personal accounts so that you can kind of treat it like you're working full-time and have that kind of benchmark and, and then you, you 
you've got your business goals as well on top of that. But if you can get your business looking like you're being paid regularly as a, like a salary job, that's the way to go. Yeah, it's definitely. I love how you how your mentor mentioned that. You know, don't just make the jump. Go to whole turkey, and you know, figure it out from there. Definitely, you can definitely work on your business whilst working full time. Yeah. You know, say a full time job's only forty hours. There's still another, you know, thirty or forty hours in the week where you can be working on um on something else. Absolutely. And yeah, I've I was reading through a Facebook group uh, yesterday, and someone had made that jump. They had made their jump from their full time job to start their own business. They've gone cold turkey, and they've realised a week in that you know they're, they're not making the money they thought they would, and now they're under all the stress and um, you know anxiety and and depression. Mm. Um, because they, they they can't find the um find the money to cover just basic living expenses. So it's definitely something not to not to jump in all of a sudden to have a plan and have a bit of a base that you can build from. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, just planning it out and you know, it could work if you've saved up a big cash buffer and you know what your living expenses are and you can calculate how long is your you know, your cash buffer gonna last you as well. But as often happens in business, like, you know, we can underestimate how long it takes things to get moving or, or time frames and, and income like that. So it's still a lot more risky than um, continuing to work and, and building business um, outside of that. What was your journey uh, like with the JBL spending planners? Did you find that there was a, you know, a startup period where you had challenges that you had to overcome with the, you know, balancing out the finances of it all? Yeah, look, it was a process of, Working through that outside of my, my my teaching job, that was my full-time job. Again, like I had to work out what my expenses were and then see, you know, how much income do I need to cover me for, for those while having money to invest in the business as well because, you know, particularly starting out, there's lots of education, support, mentoring that uh, I've invested into with that. So I needed to make sure the business had income to cover those as well as uh, all the operating expenses like marketing and software and, and those types of things as well. So, yeah, like the biggest challenge really was uh, giving myself that lead time to, to build the business while keeping my full-time job and then uh, making a decision once it hit a certain certain amount of income to start transitioning over to. And I do have another business in property development as well. So um, I did have that multiple, I do have that multiple stream of income too, which is which has helped me with that transition. I'm curious, did you, when you were working full-time and doing your other businesses on the side, did you let your current employer know or did you work on it, I guess, in, in secret outside of uh, uh, outside of the work? Yeah, look, no, I, w- I would talk to people about it at work. and Yeah, it wasn't kept a secret or anything like that. Uh, I mean, what I'm doing is, is supporting other people there as well. And um, yeah, it, it was essentially down that path as long as my um, business wasn't taking away from my, my work duties, that was okay. I'd love to go back to the moment where you, you, you were driving a go-kart and had a, um, had a bit of an accident occur, how that sort of aligned yourself in your direction towards business. Can you um, talk a bit more about that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, that was de- definitely a pivotal moment in, um, in my entrepreneurial journey. So I think reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, probably when I was 18 or 19, that kind of started things ticking in my head at that age. But at that time, I really didn't know what, what I wanted to do in business. And 
the go-kart accident happened a number of years later and I was ended up in hospital really doctors are around me checking checking my response uh, doing things like where they tap on your knee with a little hammer just to check you know was I was I okay to walk um, I ended up fracturing one of my vertebrae in my back um, but at the time they they didn't know all the details of that I hadn't had an x-ray on it yet and it was mainly checking for nerve damage fortunately there wasn't any there but I had um, I had yeah my vertebrae was shattered and, and I was off work for a bit and that moment was really scary because I was just thinking, you know, what would my life look like if I couldn't couldn't walk? You know, my work situation would change. You know, we're very fortunate we had insurance in Australia and you know, superannuation and things like that. But still, it, it got me thinking, like, do I just want to rely on an employer to support me if the worst happens, or would I rather be in control? of something that um, I can manage myself and, and put the right systems in place, hire people as needed um, to, to work through it that way. And it was through that process I just started learning more, seeking out education around, uh, and that, that was seeking out education around property investment. That whole stage of my kind of entrepreneur journey began by reading internet forums, reading magazines, podcasts, and attending meetup groups in Brisbane around property development and investment and it started from there. Yeah, I love the transition from it all and to go, you know, what if what if I can't rely on my employer to pay, you know, to pay my bills in a sense, what can I do to, you know, put myself in a better financial situation so that if, if the worst does happen, then I've got the um, capability to, to be independent in a sense. Yeah, yeah, which sounds like a pretty selfish reason for starting it off, but you know, sometimes we have those moments in life, don't we, where you, you just get that jolt, you get that something coming blindsiding you, and it just changes your whole way of how you look at life and how you think about what does the rest of your life want to look like. And that was definitely a moment there for me. Yeah, for sure. That those pivotal moments that you go, well, you know, this is that really sort of make you understand why why you're here, um, or yeah. why you, why you want to be here. And I, and I love how you're, you're you're helping young couples, you know, sort of take back control of their finances. Because it's such a it's such an area that isn't really sort of delved in too much, I don't think. And you've got all these people coming out of, like we said earlier on, coming out of um, um, school or university, and don't really have that that money management education around them. It's, it's definitely very important to educate and and to help them manage their their personal finances better. Yeah, yeah. And look, and the starting point for most people is is they feel they feel like they're not in control of things. They're burdened uh, by debt and stress and um, not feeling like they were where they sh- they thought they would be in life or they feel like they're not getting ahead. So, again, in that sense, it's a little bit like me that it's very kind of inward focused and, and what they're feeling too. But um, I've seen the process unfold in my life as well as my clients that when you start to get that control, one, you can really focus on other areas of your life like in, in more detail when money's not a problem, you can you can spend more time on your relationships, uh, your health, and and then even the next step, thinking through, you know, what impact do I want to have? You know, what's my purpose in life? What should I be doing with my time and my talents? And I, I just love seeing that journey unfold for people, and it's amazing when they can look back and I can look back and see, you know, this is where you started. Here's, here's everything we can celebrate 
that's happened along the way. Yeah, those those conversations must be must be life changing, not not only for your clients, but but for yourself to see the impact you're having yourself on um, on people's journeys and where people could end up. You know, once they have a have a personal finance plan in place. Yeah, definitely, and just the opportunities are endless. You know, um, I'm not expecting everyone would want to start businesses as well, but you know, if if people start to see that as a possibility, or they they realize they can be doing a side hustle and that type of thing grows into their full-time job that, you know, they're going to be helping other people. They, they might even be reaching stages where they're employing other people. Uh, or maybe it's just they just want their time back to, to be with each other or, or family or someplace where they're, they're serving and volunteering as well. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, the, uh, the possibilities are endless. And you're actually writing mm-hmm. a book to sort of help people along their way. I was wondering, what are, the, what are some of the challenges you've had to overcome in, in writing the book? Yeah, look, probably the biggest thing is just being consistent in, in writing the content for the book. So I've had to really work out, you know, what part of my day is most productive. For me, it's the mornings. Generally, um, I have a bit of a morning routine and then I just had blocked out in my day the mornings, usually 9 till 11, to work on my book. And I had a structure in place I'd, I'd, um, I'd put together for it, but it was just you know, every my phone's on do not disturb mode. I, I've closed my internet browser. It's just me there writing and doing that most weekdays and sticking to that. Just it just adds up and, and being consistent and that was definitely my biggest biggest way of getting around writer's block and, and being distracted for that for sure. Mm, yeah, just just being um consistent in the process. Did you have a you obviously had a like you said you, you did you design the plan um, to begin with and then started to fill in the elements of the plan going along? Yeah, yeah, I had a structure in place for you know, based on the process I take clients through and mapping that out through the different steps and, and then collecting research um, to put in there too, sharing my story, sharing stories of, of clients and people I've spoken to who going through that journey as well and, uh, yeah, mapping it out that way. So every day... I'd have my titles already in there, so I knew what you knew what I need to focus on for that day. Mm, you had some direction and some and some structures and a framework to follow. Yeah, yeah. You may not know, but do you know when the book will be released? I'm wanting to release it. Yeah, second half of um, 2019. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> not too far off, but yeah, I've got my kind of first first draft together now. So yeah, now working through the next stages of, of getting that ready. I can't, can't wait to see it um to see it come out and yeah come on the market. Yeah, thanks, Ed. I'll send uh, you a copy. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, Josh, you mentioned you had a few mentors in your sort of entrepreneurial journey. Who has been a major influence in your life, and and what did they teach you? Yeah, look, look I like to like to have specific mentors um, for different areas of my life, from getting involved in property investment. There's a property investment uh, mentoring service called Results Mentoring um, that I'm a part of. So my mentor there, a guy named Brendan Kelly, uh, I speak to him every week and pretty much I've spoken to him every week for the last yeah three and a half three and a half years or so. And so my property property investment side of business is is always there. He, you know he's my go-to and um, when when I need someone to talk to or somebody to talk through numbers with or, or show show different parts of what I'm doing in property. He's there as well. You have other uh, business mentors 
as well, spiritual mentors through through church. And I don't know if I'd call them always mentors as much, but definitely people for, for my health that I'm doing you know, doing physical activity with or gym and workouts and things like that where there's natural kind of accountability there to help out and um and I can always learn from there. So different areas. Uh but absolutely uh so key, so so important for that. Yeah, and I I can definitely understand that. It's important to have different mentors. Every mentor is gonna have a different skill set and yeah. it's important to sort of cover, you know, as many bases as you can. I think a lot of people sometimes find it a struggle to find a mentor. How did you start the conversation uh, with those that, that are your mentors now? Yeah, some of it some of it was a bit more organic. I mean, it was people I was just around um, different interest groups or, or community like church community there as well. Um, others, it was they had to kind of sell me their mentoring services. And as I was learning about um, different areas of, of business, uh, going to a workshop or going to a, a day seminar to learn about what they were doing and working through that, you know, do I connect with this business? Do I connect with how they mentor people? You know, what have their past and current clients results been? And, and making that decision there to you know, put the money on the line and, and dive in and, and pay for mentoring there as well. And certainly, yeah, just in, in doing that, they've, they've all been incredibly beneficial i guess with the with the caveat there that um if you're doing something like that you have to put in the work you have to put in the action and you have to be um, proactive in in making that that relationship work or or that service or program working yeah yeah exactly you can't just find a mentor and expect the mentor to do everything for you 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 have to take some (laughs) some some responsibility in in the whole process as well that they can certainly guide and encourage yeah i think that there is a bit of a common misconception about the mentor just you know there to do all the work for you and as a way for you to outsource what you're doing yeah yeah no um, it doesn't work like that (laughs) um final question for the podcast a question i like to ask all guests is uh what's your definition of the grind definition of the grind i definitely don't think it's i mean i like the saying work work smarter not harder um so using your creativity to work out the best way to run your business or to work on, um, you know, your entrepreneurial goals and getting into a zone where you're always trying to look for what is another efficient way to do this or, or better, faster, more value for your clients and, and using that uh, creativity. You know, I believe we're all creative and, and in business, it's, it's really rewarding because you get to put your creativity into what you're doing. Definitely not just blindly working away on things uh, and trying to get it things to happen that way thinking through and you know are you working on the most important part of your business that you should be right now is you know that's often a question i ask myself when i'm i guess and when i'm in grind mode when i have my calendar booked out to to really work on those parts of my business yeah that's that's such an important question to ask is is what i'm doing right now the the most you know the most important thing to be doing yeah the book called the one thing that was that's that's an incredible book. I run that through my mind every day. It's a good test, especially when starting my day and working at um, working out what's the most important thing to accomplish today. For sure, especially when you've got so many competing priorities and you've got a to do list that never ends. It's um, yes, <laughs> <laughs> and the more you try to get through your to do list, the more things you add to it. At least that's what I'm finding anyway. No, so. yeah, I have the same <laughs> experience too. <laughs> 
gotten to the point where I've got multiple multiple to do lists. But yeah, no, it's 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 definitely something yeah. to <laughs> definitely an overarching question to come back to is you know what's the most important thing I can can be doing right now and am, am I doing it? Yeah, yeah, and it, it usually it's it's usually pretty quick to clarify you know what you should be doing when you when you actually stop. But you've got to stop, don't you? You've got to give yourself time and give yourself that space to reflect on on your day. That's it. Yeah, you can't you can't be go 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 all the time. You definitely need that space to to sort of stand back, to reflect, and then to go. Okay, you know what's what's the next thing to do? It's yeah. I think people can get stuck in a um, bit of a loop where they just keep working harder and harder and harder and burning themselves out, and then thinking they can't have a break because that's less time to work on the business or in the business. But it's it's the opposite, really. When you when you take a yeah. you know, take a step back, even if it's just for a, you know half an hour or an hour, that sort of gives you the freedom to to explore and to discover and and to realize you know maybe maybe what you've been working on isn't isn't the you know isn't the most important thing. Yeah, or, or maybe it is, and it gives you ways to like I said to work smarter around it and find quicker, better, more efficient ways of doing it. Yeah, and Josh, where can people find more about you? Uh, look, they can um, check me out. My money coaching business is jblspendingplanners.com. Uh, so they can uh, reach me there or they can send me an email, josh at jblspendingplanners.com. Yeah, or connect through LinkedIn or, or Facebook, uh, anywhere like that as well. No worries. And we'll put the links up in the um, in the show notes for this podcast. Awesome. No worries. Josh, thanks again for your time. Really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you, Aiden. Thanks for your time. If this is the first time you've listened to the podcast, I appreciate you for stopping by. Please subscribe. Otherwise, if you took away valuable advice from this episode, I'd love for you to share it with others. Until next time.